Today on Season 2, Episode 59 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce and I take a deep dive into the Packers' first game of the season against the bitter rival Chicago Bears. We talk the highs and lows of the game, pass out some game balls, and have a little fun along the way. And now it's time for Post Game 1, Bears on Tap. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go, Packers! Go! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers Podcast, and I am your host, Bryce Christensen. I should say co-host, because we're doing the post-game, the Bears on tap, myself, and the soothing, sexy sounds of our producer and communications director, Neebles. How are you doing, Neebles? Go Pack Go, baby! I am doing well. How are you, Bryce? Oh, man, a win is a win. Uh, It feels great not to just talk in a microphone by myself in a dark room I like to call the Unknown Packers Podcast Studio Dungeon. And the Dungeon. The Dungeon. And so it's nice just to actually talk Packers, not just my thoughts, but get some banter going back and forth. Packers squeak out a win 10-3 in Chicago. The first win for your coach, Matt LaFleur of your Green Bay Packers. And so super exciting. A win's a win, but let's start off first and foremost with the day. So the 100th season, the 199th meeting, they had already played 198. My apologies for previous recordings. I kept on saying 198. I meant overall. And they played the 199th game last Thursday. So the whole day, we've been waiting for this day for a really, really long time. We're year-round the Unknown Packers production team. But it it, it gets kind of dry sometimes through the dead zone. You're getting through training camp, preseason, and now it's finally here. So... Give me your take. What was your day like waking up, planning for the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears to face off for the 100th season of the NFL Thursday night football? I don't know if I'm just abnormal or what, but I was looking through Twitter and everybody was talking, oh, I'm so excited. I can't sleep. It pretty much started out as a regular day for me. Um, you know, got up in the morning, went through my whole routine. Um, I was definitely you know thinking about the game, excited about the game. But it was nothing that was going to distract me from what I had to get, you know, get done during the day. Uh, My son plays football, so I had to take him to practice that evening. And he doesn't get out till 730. So I figured I was going to be missing a good chunk of the first quarter uh, as it was. Luckily, I had a little bit of downtime. I was able to sneak out to the car and put it on the radio. And as soon as I heard that call from, from Wayne Larrabee announcing the kickoff, that's when the butterflies came. That's when I got really excited. <laughs> and we have that call on our intro. So we released uh, 100th on tap, 100 uh, pregame. We had a variety of different titles for that episode. But really the, the 100th episode and really a streak of episodes going through from um, ever since we got on Anchor, we have a lot of other episodes through SoundCloud and through Podomatic. But since we've got on Anchor, we've gone through 100 episodes. And with this team, I think for me, 
going to the game and especially uh, the unveiling of the new intro. And if you haven't checked that out yet, please do. Uh, 100 on tap. You can check that out on a variety of different podcast platforms. Uh, but that is where it got me excited, just knowing how much uh, how much change has happened with the Unknown Packers podcast team. Now, the Unknown Packers production team, having you on board and and many others. And so for me, it was not only the third season of the Unknown Packers podcast covering the Green Bay Packers. Um, it was just, it was a new season. So a lot of newness. Uh, even though Coach Petten is in his second year, a lot of newness on the defense. Uh, Coach Lafleur, this new offense, and I, for me, I just was going in with an open mind. Um, I think I was more excited. I think I was more excited about the the fact that um, we're just kind of rocking and rolling, and we're grooving and releasing episodes on a daily basis. And now we've changed that format. We're going back to a little bit more of a saner approach and having uh, two or three episodes <laughs> a, a week. But I think for me, it was more of just kind of going in with an open mind. I wanted to be more in the moment and just kind of see what the Packers were going to do, what the Bears were going to do. Um, I didn't. I know I did some sort of uh, prediction on the Chicago Audible as well as our, our 100 on tap with you, myself, and and Josh, and I gave some predictions. But going in uh, the whole day, I was more geeked out about what we've been doing with the Unknown Packers podcast and the production team. Probably a shameless plug, but that was more my focus, getting really excited about, oh man, like what's going to happen now that the regular season is here and now we get to talk about actual games and not just predictions on who's going to make the team or what's going to happen in practice. Actual. Super exciting. <laughs> actual games. So, and then, like you said, as we got closer, um, that's when butterflies started creeping in. But I have to tell you this, and you're aware of this, is I actually missed the first five, six minutes of the game. What was the story with that? Yeah, so um, I don't know. I'm assuming it was a glitch with my cable box, but I had talked to a couple other friends and their NBC was blacked out or it was actually spotty. It was just choppy. But for me, every other channel worked. but. NBC. So <laughs> I don't know uh, what kind of karma I did to uh, receive that, but that's like my, that's my worst nightmare. And I always worry about that. Like, okay, is something going to happen where I'm not going to able to watch the game? And sure enough, I've, I'm getting texts from the whole team, like, go, Pat, go, what's happening? And I'm like, guys, are you blacked out too? Are you blacked out? My like lower lip is quivering. And my wife, my wife is telling me like, everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, yeah, I know everything's going to be okay. It's not life and death. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, can you just let me process this right now? It's the first game and I can't watch it. So I had to restart everything. Um, but for a while, I was like, okay, maybe it'll pop up. Maybe it'll pop up. And then I just said, fuck it. And I recharged everything. So I recalibrated the cable box, recalibrated the internet, turned off the TV and rebooted everything, which took another 10 minutes. So by the time I got everything going, but even when I was doing that, I still didn't know if I was going to get the game or not. So I'm just sitting there like, do I just book it right now to the nearest bar and just sit there with some strange, with some strange folk and some peanuts and get this going? I don't know. <laughs> so it kind of <laughs> reminds me of a story I have from a couple of years ago, and I'm sorry to interrupt, no. but um, 
typically will watch games with my dad. And I believe this was a couple years ago for the NFC championship game. I won't name the one, but uh, we were all set. It was game time. We went to flick on the game and nothing. We got nothing. So, of course, my dad's freaking out. I'm freaking out a little bit. My mom calls the cable company. You know, they're like, yeah, well, sorry. You know, we can come out on Monday. Well, that's not really going to work. We got a championship game here to watch. Um, Couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. And then for some reason, something clicked. Uh, My dad went up into the attic. I guess he was putting, you know, taking Christmas decorations out or something. And what happened was there was a switch that got flicked in the attic. So (laughs) he flicked that switch back on. And thankfully, boom, that did the trick. Saved the day. Oh, it was the worst feeling. And luckily, nothing had happened. But finally, everything turned on. I was able to watch. But even still, missing that first five, six minutes, I didn't know what I missed. I didn't know. I was getting texts from all you guys, and it wasn't good. But Yeah, you didn't miss a whole lot of (laughs) anything special. But still feeling in the dark, literally, of just like, okay, I'm turning this on fresh. And it's about nine minutes to go in the first quarter. So I would say um, it was an unusual day. Typically, I'm a little bit more jacked. um, But I think like you and I have been talking, and especially talking on the podcast, is uh, the one thing that I'm really fortunate about, grateful for, and humble uh, is the fact that I just feel more well-rounded. The more research, the more podcasting, and the more other perspectives I get, um, it just makes me more grounded. And so I just... I think that helped me going in, knowing that it was going to take a while for the offense to click. I didn't really know what was going to happen with uh, these fresh faces that Brian Gutekunst fortified on the defense. And so for me, I, I just wanted to bask in it. And so the whole day, I was just thinking to myself, all right, just be in the moment, get through the day. And I had a busy day leading up to it. And uh, luckily, I was actually originally scheduled for work that night, and I was able to get out of it a week before um, which was also scary. I didn't do my due diligence on that part and just kind of forgot that the Packers are playing on a Thursday, um, which shame on me. But like I said, I just, I just went in open-minded and then once everything started grooving. So now, now we're transitioning into the actual game and give me, give me your vibe real quick. Just our interactions with the unknown Packers production team. And we've got this group text going. So give me your take because I had a hard time processing everything that was coming at me while watching the game as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. And to put it bluntly, there was a whole lot of colorful language going on in this group text of ours. Um, (laughs) The the guys were not thrilled with how everything opened up. And I quite frankly don't blame them. I try to stay on the more positive side, but sometimes the emotions get the best of you. There's just something about the Packers-Bears rivalry that, that kicks up that emotion a notch. Uh, I would have to say that uh, it was pretty touch and go for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, you know, texting and just everyone that's that's tuning in right now, keep in mind, I typically don't tweet a lot during the games. Um, I like to just be in the moment, enjoy the football games. And then what I do is I'll probably after the game start tweeting a little bit more on, you know, the, the press conferences. Also, I go back and watch the game. Uh, I did I watched the game twice. Uh, the condensed version and then the full version, trying to just hone in on some players 
that I felt like had great games, but in the overall grand scheme of watching a football game, sometimes you lose individual performances. And we'll highlight that in the second half of of this episode. But colorful language, that's an interesting way of putting it. I think it's uh, accurate and applicable. And for me, it was more of, I think it was a shock to the system for me. And maybe I think in years past, I definitely would have jumped on board and been like, woo, all right, rodeo, let's go. And I'd probably be uh, throwing out some vulgarities as well. And I, and I keep going back to the point of just, I, I have a game plan. I have a blueprint right now of how I'm viewing the Green Bay Packers, just like Coach LaFleur does and just like Mike Pettin does, is my blueprint is if week five or six occurs and we're still getting a 10-point performance and we're only having two drives that are significant, then then I'm concerned of, okay, because be quite honest, this was actually a, a preseason game oh, exactly. for Aaron Rodgers in the offense. And I hate to say that, and I know that Chris Collinsworth kept, kept on saying it like, oh, they should have played in the preseason. They should have played in the preseason. I think for me, I like the fact that we went in relatively healthy. And so again, like my blueprint right now is as we go week by week, once it gets to the week five, if things aren't clicking, then let's start having a conversation. Let's start swearing. Let's start getting pissed off. But with it being the first game, first quarter, and mind you, I was still getting caught up on everything else because I was in the dark literally for six, seven minutes. But for me, I kind of had to almost put my foot down and be like, all right, like, can we just enjoy this game? We've been wanting this game for so long. Can we just enjoy it? And then it was crickets for a while. And I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. What, what, what did I say? And then after a while, people were like, all right. And luckily... Right after that was the the big drive with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, the big 47-yard catch, and then the touchdown to Jimmy Graham. And then it was almost like we were trash-talking each other <laughs> <laughs> in the group text, when in actuality we should have been trash-talking some of the Bears fans. But I thought it was a great rally moment for the team. Sure. Kind of going back and forth. Everyone has differing views of what the Packers are doing so far. And then to have that really great drive Aaron Rodgers, essentially a no-look throw to MVS. That was awesome. Beautiful. Very Brett Favre-esque. Have you, have you watched uh, that? It's a, it's a clip with Brett Favre and Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I saw that. So that's what came to mind is, you know, Rodgers and Favre are hanging out, you know, in the summer. And so I'm thinking, is Favre teaching Aaron Rodgers like some... Because there are a couple plays in the game where... You know, Rodgers is scrambling and he does like an underhand scoop to Jamal Williams. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Definitely some very Farvesque things going on. (laughs) So I'm jacked up because that's one thing that I thought, wait a minute. Rodgers and Farvey are boys now. They're buddies. Is Farv telling him like, hey, why don't you take some of the gunslinger with you? I know that you've had a couple broken collarbone injuries. Maybe you don't have that velocity. Definitely other pundits and beat writers and and uh, armchair quarterbacks are saying, oh, Rodgers doesn't have the arm strength. Okay, let's do some evolution a little bit and take a little uh, page out of the old gunslinger and put her there in the old vice. Put her in the old and vice. <laughs> and so for me, for me, seeing that video with Mahomes and then seeing that throw with Rodgers, I thought, huh, all right, are we going to see a different Rodgers? Maybe a little bit more, uh, I would say, not impulsive, but a little bit more reactive, a little bit more of a risk taker like the old gunslinger? Right, right. Do you think so? 
I, but at the same time, he held on to the ball a couple times. So give me your take on this. Is is Rodgers becoming a little bit more like Farvey? That would be awesome. I mean, the one thing I got out of that video is I would take Favre as our backup in a heartbeat. <laughs> he's old, but he's still got it. He was flinging that ball, which was awesome. But in all seriousness, it's hard to determine with Rodgers. I mean, you saw last night there were times that it looked like he was willing to take a risk with uh, the shuffle passes and the underhand passes, the no-look passes. But then again, you had those times where he just holds onto the ball way too long. Um, now, was that his receivers not being able to get open or was he just being too cautious? Hopefully what we're seeing is just a comfort level thing. Um taking little risks here and there. Hopefully he'll build upon it. And it would be really cool if he could add that type of thing to his repertoire. Well, maybe like a hybrid. Yeah, yeah. So Rodgers, I guess how he is able to be very cerebral and doesn't want to take gambles sometimes. But then there's that that hybrid approach where, you know, sometimes like last year and years past, he just hold on to that ball. He didn't want to make that throw. And now maybe you're starting to see him loosen up a little bit with Coach Lafleur and with uh, maybe uh, Brett Favre and his guidance a little bit on especially that beautiful. And I didn't realize it was a no look until afterwards going back and seeing that. He, I mean, he was essentially doing a Mitchell Trubisky. He was staring oh, yeah. down the left side of the field and then whoop. I mean, that was a major you, no look. A major no look. Yeah. <laughs> As we wrap up uh, the first half of our post game, the Bears on tap with myself and Nebels, we're co-hosting. Uh, give me your vibe on the overall game. Uh, Packers win 10-3. We'll talk about game balls. We'll talk about concerns. We'll talk about the press conferences in the second half. But as we wrap up, give me your take. Give me your overall take right now on uh, on what you feel the Packers are like right now and moving forward. Well, without revealing too much, um, I think I want to end this first half by just saying sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. That's it? That's it. That's it? Just sloppy, sloppy, sloppy? Sloppy, sloppy. We'll get into it more in the second half, but it was sloppy. All right, I'll take, I'll definitely, I definitely agree with you. I think looking at the overall game, I mean, if you look at just the statistics alone, you win the turnover battle, you win the time of possession, definitely changing tilting the field by these long punts by JK Scott uh which we'll, which we'll talk about in the second half for sure but i think going into it going on the road beating the bears that are the reigning division champions who went 12 and 4 on uh, knocking they were knocking they were double doink away maybe and just to think uh that's not an easy environment to go into as a first-time NFL head coach. And I thought Coach LaFleur definitely handled it well. There's definitely things that I want him to brush up on. And we'll talk about how he approaches some of those, I guess, inadequacies or inefficiencies that he saw. But overall, a win is a win. It's a huge win. Week one, I hate when uh, Packers play uh, divisional rivals week one. I think it should be more for the later season. but with it being said, with a win, I'll cross that off. We're we're in the driver's seat, I think. And now, now we'll look at going into having a home opener with at Lambeau against the Vikings. We'll talk about that a little bit. But overall, I think a win is a win, especially against the Bears, regardless of how they played, regardless of how we how we played. I'll take that win any day. But we'll wrap up the first half 
of post-game the Bears on tap. Just sloppy from you, Neebles. Anything else from your soothing, sexy voice? I'll save it for the second half. All right, go Pack Go. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. If you like what you are hearing and would like to help us grow, take a minute to rate us on iTunes. The more ratings we get, the more visible we will be to Packer fans like you. Again, thank you so much for listening. This show wouldn't happen without your support. Now, let's get back to the second half. After the first practice of camp, you were talking about the defense and you said that's going to be important for us, especially early as we're finding our rhythm on offense in a new system. Um, Foreshadowing. <laughs> I mean, did you, did you see, I guess, did you see this coming and, and what did you see from the defense tonight that made you look as prescient as it did? Yeah, that was fun to watch. I mean, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen a performance like that. Uh, obviously, a lot of credit to Mike Patton and his staff, but uh, to those players, I mean, just incredible effort. Um, we didn't do them a whole lot of favors with our own performance on offense, but I mean, every time we needed something to stop, they came up with uh, some really big plays. Um, great for Adrian, you know, coming back to the team to draft them to get a pick, you know, in the end zone there. But uh, a lot of credit to the front. I mean, I thought um, put a lot of pressure on them. It looked like, obviously, both the Smiths looked like they were in the mix a bunch. And that was just a dominating performance. Uh, gives you a lot, of, a lot of confidence when you play like that on offense and win a game by a touchdown. And welcome back to the second half of Post Game. The Bears on tap. Your co-host today, Bryce Christensen, as well as Neebles. And Ayo. you just... <laughs> and you just heard a little uh, soundbite from Aaron Rodgers after his uh, post-game press conference talking about how great it is to have a defense. And so we're, we're starting off the second half with game balls, uh, post-game game balls. And Nebels, give me your first game ball. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a lot of overlapping game balls, in my opinion. But give me your take real quick. I think it's a perfect parallel with what Aaron Rodgers just said. Definitely. I'm going to start with the defense. My game ball goes to one of the Smiths. Now, Zadarius played very well. He was very disruptive, and he was anticipated, I think, to be the better of the two uh, Smiths in this offseason. However, I am going to go with Preston Smith. Um, Looking over his stat line, he had six pressures, one and a half sacks, which is awesome. Um, He had four hurries. Three run stops, which were absolutely huge. He had one tackle for loss. He had one pass defended, which is crazy. And he also had three QB hits. So he had a very, very solid performance last night. Preston Smith absolutely balled out last night, you know, especially considering first game of the season, not a whole lot of action during preseason, new defense. Hats off to him. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned Preston Smith, too. Here's another thing. He's already matched Nick Perry's 2018 sack total of one and a half. Can you imagine that? That's crazy. That is awesome. (laughs) As we we were researching and getting ready for this post-game podcast, and I saw that, and I thought, oh, my God, are you serious? And so, yeah, you're right. I'm glad that you mentioned Preston Smith because he 
He was sort of the unsung hero. Maybe Amos was as well, but Zadarius Smith was getting all the love. Exactly. And especially after we drafted Gary and Savage, it seemed like everyone was talking about Zadarius and the rookies. And you're right. Preston definitely balled out. Uh, who, who would be who would be your second game ball then? Um, second game ball. I think I would go, well, uh, if we're going to stick on defense here, um, I would go with, uh, I'm going to give it to, to our boy Amos coming into Chicago. That's got to be a ton of pressure for him. Um, you know, playing well, especially with all the offseason talk amongst Bears fans is, oh, we got rid of the 11th best player on the defense and, you know, haha is better, blah, 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 blah. He had a relatively quiet but solid game. Four tackles. He had a pressure. He also had a run stop, which, again, that's that's huge. Um, and then, of course, his game-sealing pick in the end zone. You couldn't have scripted it any better than that. Oh, man. And if you go back and look at the tape, I mean, y- you got to think Amos went back to the future and was in practice with Trubisky. I mean, he... Trubisky was just eyeing that left corner of the end zone oh, the yeah. entire way. And so was Rodgers. Yep. But, but Rodgers was doing a no-look to yeah. the other side. Threw, he threw it the app. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you couldn't have, uh, especially with Amos telegraphing that, that was perfect. How to, against a team that drafted him, that w- re- essentially replaced him with HaHa Clinton Dix, uh, and thought, oh, we're fine. We actually got an upgrade in, with HaHa Clinton Dix. I thought it, he was the sleeper signing this this offseason with Amos. I think him and Savage complement each other really well. And I, I, I do want to mention, you're probably thinking, is this Nebel's just giving his game ball? And I'm actually giving my game ball, but I did it a little bit differently. And I wanted Nebel's to give two. Uh, my first overall game ball, it, it's got to be the defense. It's really hard to pinpoint um, who and I'm glad that you mentioned Preston Smith and I'm glad that you mentioned Adrian Amos. For me, the overall defense because I didn't know what we were going to see. It's a second year head uh, defensive coordinator with Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin being on the sidelines, which is such a change of pace. From oh, what, love it from what Dom Capers used to do. And so I got this Kevin Green type of vibe where he's he's sitting there and he's getting he's getting the troops all fired up, ready to go. For sure. Did you see that clip of after the game when he was absolutely mobbed by the defense? He's just smiling, and there's a lot of love on that sideline. I absolutely love that. Well, and the interesting, the funny thing, and the great thing, too, both mobs, one with Mike Pettin after the game, and then the one with uh, Lafleur in, in the locker room, you know who was leading both of those? Who's that? Jair Alexander. Oh, that's not a surprise. <laughs> so if you go back and look, Jair's the one that's actually grabbing them on the back of their neck and just like, all right, let's go. And so, I, again, Jair Alexander, just sticky, sticky play. Whatever receiver is playing opposite him, he's earning every single possible catch, every single yard. He is earning oh, yeah. that. I, I, I just love how scrappy Jair is. But overall, I think the defense gets the game ball. Um, it was just a refreshing experience for me because it's always been an offensive team for us definitely and seeing this defense and the thing that I want to also ground myself to is Matt Nagy struggled with play calling last year he struggled again in Thursday night was that more indicative of the Bears offense going forward or was this performance more indicative of the defense going forward what do you think uh I think it's a combo of both you know, a lot of people are saying that Fangio was responsible for the success of the Bears last season. 
and that Nagy isn't quite ready for prime time. I don't know about that. I think it was a combo of both. This defense is definitely, definitely a few steps up from where it was last season. They trimmed the fat. They got some new guys in. And all the new guys impressed last night. Bears, say what you want about Trubisky. Uh, He may not be ready yet. I do think, however, ultimately they will be just fine. I think they will do just enough to ride this defense to the end, just like last year. Um, However, you know, with uh, Pagano now taking the helm, Fangio going out to Denver, uh, Nagy could be in for a surprise. I mean, I I don't want to make this a Bears podcast episode. I mean, we are talking about the Bears too, but I, I did think a regression was going to occur again. Going into Chicago, that's not an easy task. I'll take it. 10-3. 10-3. But overall, overall, just looking at the stats, the Packers had five sacks, 11 quarterback hits against the Bears in week one. According to NFL's next-gen stats, the Packers had a total of 19 pressures on Thursday night compared to a total of nine in both games against Chicago last year. So that's an instant example of how much this pass rush has improved. So maybe I have to give a game ball to, to Goody, as the floor likes to call him, too, because... He saw the cupboard was bare, like you said. Trim the fat, take out Haha. You take out Clay. You take out Nick Perry, Mike Daniels as well, and then you put in Zadarius, Preston, Adrian Amos, Savage, Jair with that second year jump. This is a scary defense, and so I, I wanted to see your take on what was it more indicative of. But if you just list off the playmakers and if they continue to play like they did, we have a scary, scary defense. So my first, my oh, yeah. first game ball is the defense going into my second game ball because I gave you the first two, right? Correct? Yes, you did. My second game ball, even though it wasn't a touchdown, even though he didn't go over 100 yards, I got to give the second game ball to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Showed off his speed on that 47-yard catch that gave the Packers offense that spark that needed in the second quarter. It was a crucial play and the only touchdown drive of the evening for either team. And then we've been talking about it. Is he the wide receiver too? Is he the deep threat opposite of, of Devonta Adams? And surprisingly, Geronimo Allison, who we've talked about as well, didn't have a single target in the game. Yeah, he was invisible. And we talked about it on the previous episode that uh, MBS is definitely stepping up. Uh, I had said that I felt that it was Geronimo's job to lose. And, you know, if he, if it keeps, if he keeps up with his lack of production, I can definitely see MBS coming in and taking that second receiver slot. Catching four or six targets for 52 yards and then that 47-yard catch. So even though the, outside of that one catch, he had three catches for 66 yards. There was definitely, uh, they were, I think, the thing that I want, um, I'll probably go back and look more just on MVS's performance alone, but I want to see, are they trying to use him like uh, they did with Trevor Davis in the Winnipeg game? Like, are they trying to make him more of that explosive, you know, triple threat? Because there were definitely some some play calls that had him essentially get thrown right at, or thrown the ball right at the line of scrimmage, and for him to use his speed to then possibly uh, do some sort of game breaking play. But I, I'm excited to see what his speed can bring to this team. I think he is the clear. I, I'm going to go right now and say he's the clear cut wide receiver too. I think it speaks volumes that Geronimo Allison didn't get a single target, and maybe. Maybe he's rusty and maybe he needs some time, but the fact that MVS isn't rusty and he hasn't played at all in preseason, I think that speaks volumes. And against a Bears defense, too, on the road, you don't know if it's going to be a a sophomore slump. Right. 
And so I, I, I was definitely encouraged, encouraged by that. But he's my game ball too. Maybe, maybe a sleeper game ball too. But uh, wrapping up the game balls, who's your game ball three? Well, and before I go into that, uh, you, you did mention that Allison had no targets. And I want to ask you, since you're a big fan, where was Whitewater Jesus? I was kind of hoping we'd get through this episode without talking about... Oh, and speaking of, I've been... Uh, so I won a bet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I still haven't gotten paid. Come on. So uh, little do people know, um, Nebels is not only the production... Or uh, not only the communications and productions director, he's also... He, he lays the pain down. Lays the pain. So uh, That's right. The, if I don't get paid, I, I'm sending Nebels out there and there's going to be some bone breaking. You know it. But yeah, I... But I, uh, I, I, I'm still owed 25 large ones. I won't name his name. He knows who he is, and I'm sure he's a fan of the Unknown Packers podcast. I hope he's listening right now and uh, Venmo's me that uh, hard-earned cash. But uh, yeah, I, I was definitely thinking that maybe Jay Kumaro was going to be more of that surprise player in week one that maybe a lot of attention was going to go towards MBS and Devontae Adams. But then again, I look back in the preseason and for Jake Kumro to get a lot of snaps and MBS and Allison not to, it, it makes me think that J- Jake Kumro is not that bubble wide receiver that he was last year, but he's he's more considered depth. And maybe again, it parallels with that whole week five, week six blueprint that I've been echoing about. Uh, maybe it's going to take Kumro some time before he can be a weapon for this offense. But I think he, he provides... A unique skill set. It'd be. I thought that we would see something from him, but again, maybe it's a byproduct of the Bears' defense, right? And maybe it was Lafleur making adjustments after those first couple of series and realizing, all right, we need to do something differently. Right, right. They just couldn't get things rolling. But I could definitely see him being worked in down the road. But they just weren't able to get anything going on Thursday. Nothing like that. And I'd like to talk about. uh, He was actually one of my concerns. Is maybe I hyped him up a little bit too much and. in part of the Packers' success, but yeah, we'll touch on the concerns real quick. I, that's sure. a that's a great question. But what, what's uh, let me finish up the game balls here, sir. <laughs> I actually kind of threw Amos in there as a uh, bonus game ball on the defense, um, but my offensive player of the game is going to have to go to Jimmy Graham. Uh, Graham is someone that I know a lot of folks. Thought he was uh, a wasted offseason pickup, wasted cap space, you know, beyond his prime, not worth anything. Um, he didn't have a super spectacular performance last night. Uh, but, you know, he had three catches for 30 yards and that huge, huge touchdown. Um, but what I think that means for the Packers is going forward, it's going to show that they are not going to be afraid to get their tight ends involved. I think that uh, Jimmy Graham will be utilized in this offense this year. And, you know, the tight end position as a whole will be used way more than it was in, in the past under McCarthy. I, I like that. And, man, um, that that hurdle. Oh yeah, over all world Eddie Jackson. I love it. <laughs> that was a little Manny Wilkins ass. Yeah, right. <laughs> I lost my I lost my crap yep. when uh, Graham hurdled. I lost my freaking mind. It, it's nice to see. And he's also playing with uh, undisclosed. I mean, we know that it's a finger injury, but yeah, we like don't a know thumb the, injury or something. We don't know the severity of it. If it's dislocated, he had a huge glove on, um, or. 
at least the picture that was taken made it seem that it was a lot larger than his other hand. Sure. I like I liked seeing Mercedes Lewis in there. Oh yeah. It he was looks weird. good, doesn't he? Yeah, dude. Oh, he looks man. He, yeah, he looks trimmed up. And I remember Aaron Rodgers talking about Mercedes Lewis and how he took the offseason seriously. He looks ready to go. Robert Tanyan had a nice uh, uh I want I can't remember what play that was, but he had a nice um completion that extended the drive for the Packers. I think that resulted in a field goal, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're but, right. But yeah, Jimmy Graham and that throw by Rodgers, when he initially threw that ball, I thought, oh, but Jimmy Graham right there. Oh, the 50-50 ball? Yeah, right. High-pointing it. And we we, yep. we ragged on Graham on can he haul down those 50-50 balls. So I, I'm glad that you you touched on him and the overall tight end unit. I, I'm definitely pleased with what I... What little we saw of Lewis and Tanyan, but um, the sad news with Jay, Jay Sternberger, our third-round draft pick out of Texas A&M, uh, going on the IR, and mm-hmm. I prognosticated that maybe Alan Lazard could be that wide receiver tight end hybrid, but it looks like the Packers are in good shape with with Graham, with Tanyan, and Mercedes Lewis, and, and my game ball, y- you got to go with this guy, and I'm glad... We both are bouncing back and forth. We're ebbing and flowing. You got your game balls. I got my mm-hmm. game balls. And overall, it's it's providing um, a cohesive picture, I think, of what went really well for the Green Bay Packers and what I thought and something that I've been hammering about is that J.K. Scott can be a weapon as a punter. Oh, yeah. And people are like, what? As a punter, he can be a weapon. And so the Packers selected former Alabama star in the fifth round in the 2018 NFL draft. And Scott finished his rookie year with a middle-of-the-pack punting average of 44.7 yards. However, at Soldier Field, J.K. Scott was elite. And as a punter being deadly, are you kidding me? He pinned the Bears inside their own 15-yard line on three separate occasions and booted two. 63-yard bombs, including a clutch kick in the final two minutes that sailed from his own 16 to the Bears' 13, which was the game winner outside of Adrian Amos' game-winning interception as well. Oh, yeah. A a total of nine punts. He had 53, 42, 47, 63, which was, I think, aided by like a 15-yard football bounce, friendly bounce. 36 yards, which was pinned inside the 15. A 37-yarder, which was pinned inside the 10 a 50-yarder, a 37-yarder, which was pinned inside the 13, and then the final ninth punt of 63 yards. But look at this. His three 30-yard punts, he pinned them. Yeah. It wasn't a touchback. Yep. And so, I again, maybe the 15, maybe the 13, it's like, oh, it's five, that's seven yards. It still makes a big difference when this is a game of inches. And with it being 10-3, I thought, oh, my God, no more Vogel, no more Shum. We've got a, we've got, we've got, remember Craig Hentrick? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, I'm just thinking of like, oh my God, like, and Sean Menenga. And so I wanted a, a big special teams play. I was thinking maybe it, it would come from Trevor Davis, but J.K. Scott, Hunter Bradley, I think is someone that we don't talk enough about. Sure. Last year with the Brett Good and Zach Triner and Who's going to be the long snapper? And we'll bring Brett Goode back week three, week four. Mm -hmm. Now you've got two years of J.K. Scott, Hunter Bradley, and Mason Crosby. Cohesive unit, new special teams coach. Hunter Bradley, I think, was perfect on all of his long snaps. And again, that that allowed J.K. Scott to just completely just wreck the football. I want to know... Yep. What is the state of his right leg right now? Is it just moaning still? Is it still just... Uh... 
dude, that, that he looks like he's probably like 12, 13 years old. I, I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure I can see him sitting down on the couch, you know, watching some Saturday morning cartoons with the juice box this morning. I think his leg is good. Um, but did you see that? Uh, did you see the 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 J.K. Scott game winner T-shirt that Pat McAfee put out? Yeah, and I think that that uh, we should have gotten some copyright infringement. I mean, I echoed that after the game, <laughs> I thought, but uh, I didn't put it out there on the interwebs. But yeah, Pat McAfee, I mean, uh, I think he definitely climaxed after a couple of those punts for sure. Oh yeah. If you go back, if you go back and listen to it, it, it definitely sounds like he uh, he finished. If you know what I mean. <laughs> This is a family show, Bryce. Uh, that's why we kept a PG-13 this time around. Uh, my apologies to Pastor Duke Backus if he is listening. I know that uh, we keep it definitely very G-rated for our, our folk that hate the vulgarity. I hope it wasn't too vulgar. But we're going to take a little uh, break. But in that break, you're going to listen to Coach LaFleur talking about what he needs to do. And I thought it was such a refreshing take again on uh, what we've seen from McCarthy and what we saw from LaFleur. But enjoy this really uh, this quick soundbite from Coach LaFleur's post-game press conference. What was your first evaluation? I've not seen the film yet. Your first evaluation of the offensive side. Yeah, just like I said, there's there's going to be a lot to learn from. Um, and, you know, it starts with myself. So, you know, just can't tell you how proud of I am of, of the effort that we gave, though, and to come out of here with a victory. Feel about the tempo on offense. There were times where it looked pretty pretty fast and other times where it was slow. Yeah, we're, like I said, there's a, there's a lot to improve upon. And again, it starts it starts right here with my, myself. So um, we'll take a look at the film and, and we'll get it corrected and, and we'll be better. And you said it starts with yourself in terms of getting there. What, what do you mean by that? Is it Play selection, game planning. Yeah, I think everything. I think you you always are got to be critical of yourself and and you know evaluate how your process is, how your plan was. Did you give guys a chance to have success? And you know when you you don't do as good as you want to do, um, you you got to look inward. Matt, you had some, you had some tough spots field position wise. We just talked about that drive in the fourth quarter. You backed up to the six, but you go down and you end up getting three points. Yeah, that, no, that was that was a big drive. I mean, when you really look at the game, I felt like there was there was two drives. And, and ironically enough, they're the two scoring drives that that were the the big drives. We just, you know, there was some sloppy play. We, you know, I can again, I can probably put our players in, in a better position with some of the calls and. Um, you know, it took us a while to get our run game going. And, and really, I, I don't think I did a good enough job of staying committed to that run early. And that was Coach Lafleur right after the game. And the thing that really sticks out is, I mean, he just won his first football game at Soldier Field against the Bears. Uh, I thought that, again, for me, it was just more of like a, a surprising, fascinating take on our new head coach and what we've been accustomed to in years past with Coach McCarthy and just almost his just regurgitated um, post-game conferences, pre-game. Anytime he addressed the media, it just seemed very run-of-the-mill, and it was the same information. He always bristled at uh, anything that uh, was any sort of an inefficiency or an area of improvement. And I like that Coach Lafleur said that I need to look inward. And him and and this wasn't in that soundbite, but him and Rogers talked about it, where Rogers said, "I need to be better moving forward," and Lafleur responded by saying. I need to be better as well. And so it seems that they're on the same page. They're both very intelligent, cerebral type of people. And now it seems that Rogers has found a guy that he can connect with that can challenge him 
intellectually and also a guy in Coach Lafleur that can reflect and improve. What was your take on that? Definitely. No, I agree. Um, I was talking to someone last night and I kind of say that I said that Lafleur seems to be ushering in the era of accountability. Like you had mentioned before, you never heard it from McCarthy. You really didn't hear it from Rogers. And to have them both after a victory saying, you know, I could. And that just speaks volumes about this this team right now. Um, I just think that's going to lead to a healthier locker room and better on-field play. And I, I like the direction that this team is heading right now. I think so, too. And also that, I mean, Rodgers, at least based on my my memory and my recollection, Rodgers always seemed to be defensive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't know, again, I don't know if that was a byproduct of McCarthy and Rodgers' relationship. But I thought that Rodgers, you know, crediting the defense, we we had that soundbite. Coach Lafleur, I mean, you could have easily, I mean, I don't foresee a lot of coaches doing this, but he could have easily been talking about how great it was. It had been a long journey to get here. Six different jobs in nine years, 39-year-old head coach. This whole offseason about Rodgers and Lafleur not getting along. He could have made it about him. And he did in a way, but that was, like you said, accountable. Something that, like, I, I have not been accustomed to. So this whole power structure, or in quotations, power structure with Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekunst, and Matt LaFleur, I think what you're seeing now is, my hope, Murphy trusting Gutekunst, Gutekunst trusting LaFleur. And so, yes, this is a power structure. It's unusual. But again, if you've got cerebral, accountable people running this front office, I think we're in great hands. And so looking inward and improving, let's Let's wrap up this uh, this post game. The Bears on tap. Myself, Nebels. But what are things that excite you? Let's 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 wrap up on a good note. I mean, obviously, looking inward, and we can improve on a ten three victory. But what's something that excites you uh, about the Packers moving forward? I'm going to have to say this defense. Uh, we haven't seen anything like it for quite some time. And with how they played last night, it's just phenomenal what a change in personnel can do for you. Super stoked. One guy that I want to bring up in particular is Kevin King, the return of the king. Um, you know, for <laughs> for how much how much crap he gets, yeah. you know, in the offseason, you know, he can't stay healthy, can't stay healthy, always hurt. What does he, you know, what does he do for us? You know, we should have had JJ Watt. TJ Watt. Um oh yeah, TJ Watt, my bad. <laughs> I'll edit that out later. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he had a good night last night. I mean, he ended up with uh, five tackles. He had a sack, uh, yeah. three run stops, a pass breakup, and a QB hit. So he definitely made himself his presence known last night, and that's that's what we need from him. Uh, between him and Jair, if we can have them man in the corners, this is going to be a long year for opposing offenses. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I I liked the swagger that King had. He definitely played with a, a lot more uh, physicality and oomph. I mean, that's been his, that's been his MO, his bread and butter. And which is part of the reason why he's had a, you know, a checkered injury history, but that every time he made a tackle, I thought, Oh, get up, get up, get up. And so I was, I'm glad that you, you talked about Kevin King because no one's talking about Kevin King right now. And, and what he's, uh, what, what, what his role is in this whole equation with the Packers defense. Another guy that excites me is Darnell Savage, a guy that just 
just, I mean, he, he's a playmaker and a guy that oh, yeah. was always around the football. He almost had two interceptions. Uh, the one thing I will mention is Kevin King has got to haul that in. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we're supposed okay. to we're supposed to uh, leave on a positive <laughs> note, but that's one thing. But Darnell Savage, a safety again. I think the overall vocabulary word is refreshing for me. Yes, and I know that there's areas of improvement. The thing that excites me the most, not only the defense and what Gutekunst has done to fortify this cupboard, like you said, trim the fat, but I. I, I still don't think we have we're playing our best football on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the ball. Clearly, no. Nope. And so, for me, I'm excited to see what the Packers are going to do moving forward. How is this defense going to get better? I'd like to see them play some other offenses and see maybe, sure. maybe, maybe we've put uh, the Bears' offense on the pedestal um, a little bit. But I'd like to see how they how they are against the Vikings. I'd like to see what kind of adjustments Lafleur makes moving into week two, but that's another thing that I wanted to hit on was the adjustments that Lafleur made in the first quarter into the second quarter, the first three series into that touchdown uh, drive. Little things like that that I don't know if McCarthy would have done or sure. maybe he would have, but I like the fact that Lafleur said that, yeah, the first run, first play of the game was a run, that was by design. And then play action was something that we predicted but I like the little adjustments here and there to set up that big 47-yard catch to Marcos Valdez-Scantling. So I would say Darnell Savage is going to get better. And Adrian Amos and the Smiths are going to feel a little bit more comfortable in Petten's defense. But I still think this was a preseason game and we yep. came away with a victory at Soldier Field against the Bears. So there's a lot of exciting things for me now that the Packers are 1-0. Definitely. La- final thoughts. From the soothing, sexy sounds of Nebels, our communications and productions director. Well, one question I did have for you. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. How short is that leash on Lane Taylor? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned him throughout this episode, so I'm glad that you wanted to touch on that. And there are definitely a couple of people that tagged me uh, on, uh, on Twitter about what you think about Lane Taylor. <sighs> I, I don't know if it was... A product of uh, or the defensive line of the Chicago Bears, but I I need Lane Taylor. We need Lane Taylor to be an asset, not a liability. And I think last year, and then also in in Thursday night's performance, um, I'd like to see what Elton Jenkins can bring to the table. But I'd also like to think that it's almost like uh, um, in baseball where you pick your closer, and if he blows a save early in the season. You're still saying, "Hey, I'm committed to this guy. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have him work this out. I'm not gonna yank him." And so, Lane Taylor, being a seven-year veteran, obviously, there's a lot of hype with Elton Jenkins. We're excited, and rightfully so. He's a second-round draft pick, um, one of the highest draft picks in recent memory from the offensive line. And so, I think that uh, we're gonna see a little bit more of Lane Taylor before they pull the plug on him and and put in Elton Jenkins. But if he struggles again, and sure. granted, it's back-to-back weeks against good defenses with the Bears and the Vikings, but we played them again. Oh yeah, you know later on in the season. So if he's struggling with these two, and maybe it's still a preseason game for him, but he had a lot of snaps in the preseason. And usually, if you're the starter, they tend to hold you back. So for me, I think that they they allowed him to not to say they allowed him to be the starter, but they gave it to him for week one and moving forward. 
But I would not be surprised uh, by week three, maybe week four, we see Elton Jenkins in there if Taylor continues to be a liability. So pretty short leash. I would think uh, it, I would define it a short leash would be that week two would be Elton Jenkins. I think, I I think realistically, um, again, I go back to that week five, week six. I'd like to see what this team is like before going into the bye week. And um, if we're clicking on all cylinders, and I think you got to have your best players out there. I'd like to think that Jenkins is better than Taylor. And so Taylor's got to prove it. But uh, again, I, I need to go back and look at him specifically. But I know that there were a couple times. And the thing that I liked about Billy Turner was that he got worked in the first quarter and then settled down. Whereas Taylor, it seemed that it was one of those things where he never found, never seemed to find a groove. Yeah. And maybe that's, Maybe that's because it's the Bears' defense. Right. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, having to go up against the Bears in your first game, that's not really a fair judge of of performance. They're just monsters. I mean, they probably have, if not the best, you know, one of the best front sevens in all of football. Unfortunately, next week, it doesn't really get any easier going up against Minnesota. Um, However, it is nice to know that we do have a competent backup in Jenkins, just in case, you know, something does happen with Taylor. But, you know, for the time being, I do see him sticking at the position at least for a couple more weeks. Uh, Like you mentioned, you know, maybe five, six weeks in, if he's still not performing well, then I could see a switch being made. And I got to think that they knew that maybe their weakest link was Lane Taylor, and that's why they went and and selected Elton Jenkins. And Elton Jenkins could be part of the plan of at center moving forward, depending on what they if they decide to uh, save some cap room for Lindsley. Uh, if you haven't check out Left Guard on uh, Left Guard Short Pour, where I talk about uh, contractual sort of influences with that position and what that entails for Elton Jenkins. Again, I, I'd like to say this. Maybe it's always been kind of a shorter leash with Taylor. I was surprised that they named him week one starter going into the final preseason game. So for me, maybe I was surprised. But again, I'd rather see a veteran than a rookie, to be quite honest, and give him some give him some familiarity with this complex system. Right, right. But I'd like to think that come playoff time. Yeah, I said it come playoff time. I think uh, Jenkins will be in there to fortify one of the biggest strengths of this Green Bay Packers team. Thank you so much for following post game the Bears. Again, we're going to say it any any last comments how you feeling heading into week 2? I am feeling good. Week 2 baby. Week 2 Packers are 1 and 0 right now. I know statistically it wasn't the prettiest game, but they won the turnover battle, they won the time of possession battle, and they had key key plays from that defense, something that we have not seen in a long time. Just wait till that offense starts clicking and then watch out. Thank you so much for listening to Post Game. The Bears on tap. Packers are 1-0, so celebrate the victorious Green Bay Packers and enjoy this little celebratory victory dance from Coach LaFleur and your Green Bay Packers. Once again, I am your co-host today, co-host Bryce Christensen. I'm Nebels. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. First of all, congratulations, coach. All right, defense. Hey, huge pick in the end zone. Hey, special teams, got to answer that. 
Let's get our mind right. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Defense should probably be giving them this, but not every day you get your first win. Where'd it go? Yeah. I, I tell you though, I, I really do, man. I appreciate every guy, every guy in this in this locker room. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit, The Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is The Unknown Packers Podcast.